21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Education Vanguard, and I'm your host, Michael Bull. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, we're heading into summer soon, and we've got another podcast for you to listen to. This time, I'm going to talk to a guy all about language, specifically 6,000 different ones. While English is the predominant language in international education today, it is often not the only one our students speak. How should we recognize the variety of languages in the world today, over 6,000 according to my guest, and celebrate the interesting diversity that comes with it? Today, I talk with ELL teacher Graham Noble about his efforts to share phrases from over 100 languages using the popular program Flipgrid. We talk about the why behind what he is doing, the role of language in education, and the hopes and dreams he has for the program. If this is something you are interested in becoming part of, be sure to check out the show notes at 21clradio.com for more information. Enjoy the conversation. Graham Noble, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Uh, my pleasure, Michael. Uh, you're doing some cool stuff for English language, and you're using a program that a lot of us like called Flipgrid. And you're trying to get to 100 languages or maybe 1,000 or a million, who knows. Can you tell <laughs> us about your program to share 100 languages? Um, well, I don't think we can hit a million languages. I mean, if we could hit every language, we might get to 6,000. But um, oh, anyway, the, the, <laughs> the program uh, that I sort of... I guess you would say, um, have been working on the, the last little while, is an opportunity for uh, English language learners and other bilingual and multilingual students to share um, phrases of their first language uh, on uh, Flipgrid that I've created. And um, within that Flipgrid, uh, there are different grids um, associated with different languages. And the goal, kind of 100, it's a little bit ambitious, but with 6,000 languages on Earth, um, it should be uh, theoretically quite manageable with the, the diversity of students uh, in international schools and also public school systems all around the world. Um, students would just present a short little uh, lesson, a language lesson in under 90 seconds, hopefully holding up a piece of paper or a card uh, explaining how to say that phrase uh, in, in whatever their, their first language happens to be. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I've been really excited about the interest that I've already received from uh, countries and um, languages that I never even heard of uh, being interested in being a part of this uh, project. Well, the project, of course, sounds adorable, but where did the idea come from? Why did you decide, hey, let's go out and get, I think you said 50 at first when I was reading some of your information, and now you're shooting for 100? Um, I I don't know. I think it's kind of like um, sort of... um, the kind of idea that builds on previous ideas. Um, a number of years ago, I before there was Flipgrid, I was working at a school in China, and I had uh, done a sort of like a partnership um, shared classroom video project with a charter school in uh, in Chicago with my um, students in, in China. And it was a grade 12 class, both classes. Theirs was AP government and ours was grade 12 politics. And basically they, you know, with a, with a time lag and low bandwidth and all of that, we shared video goes back and forth with each other, uh, asking questions about American and Chinese politics. And then after that, I just sort of planted the seed in, 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 in uh, my idea. Uh, Edmodo, another great uh, tech, um, sort of um, social uh, um, networking for education, I guess, platform, um, they have these pen pal activities. And then uh, when, mm-hmm. Fli- when Flipgrid came, when came to our school or when I became more familiar with it, it was a no-brainer. 
And uh, last year I did a partnership with uh, two other teachers. And then uh, just this past year is my interest uh, and uh, my uh, has developed in, in language and, and uh, my professional sort of trajectory. I thought, well, we can we can go bigger than this. And um, language is just so incredibly fascinating. And we all have one. And uh, we're all authorities on our own language in the sense of our ability to speak it. So I thought, well, why not, why not put the focus on our, our language learners that I work with, English language learners? And oftentimes they, they struggle or, you know, they're perhaps sometimes um, judged by the way they speak their English when we forget that, you know, our students have another language and um, and many of the languages in the world that don't hit the you know the 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 awareness of everybody uh, they're just as valuable and as personal and as as important for understanding and communicating um, as English is to say for example me or for you would you say it's in a way it's to the idea is to support the idea that there are lots of languages out there so really if you only speak if you don't speak the second one as well yet that's not a big deal Yes, I, I think that um, um, part of, I guess, my, my bigger idea with the project is, um, and as being a, a member of the international education community, English is 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 basically the language that, that's used for instruction. There's nothing particular, yeah. particularly wrong with that uh, in our international schools. But um, I am concerned, though, with this, uh, this idea that um, people have perhaps in their minds that a proper international education is one that's done in English. And then more weirdly, that you have to have a certain uh, degree of uh, English. And many students will, in a sense, abandon their first languages to pursue an international education. And that almost seems like an oxymoron to me that, you know, international education by its sort of definition to me would suggest multilingualism. And so I think that that's the reality of our students. The, most of the students in international schools around the world today are, um, are sec- English language learners. So English is not their first language. And that should be that should be, you know, celebrated. That should be understood. And we should sort of like reorient um, the meaning of how we teach and also what it means to be an, you know, an, an internationally educated student and not get caught up on, you know, um, a certain kind of English or a certain proficiency in English as being that um, when we already have, you know, schools full of multilingual, bilingual students. And I also think that's just sort of like the, the, the trend of the world is to go back to more of a multilingual world as, as, mm-hmm. as uh, America in particular is changing and with the rise of, you know, Spanish, but also just globally uh, with international students returning to um, or going to Canadian or American universities um, to to study and uh, they're also multilingual themselves and so I think that that's very much the future of our world and I think that the international education really needs to be probably step it up a little bit uh, on on um, uh, forefronting uh, languages and, and, and bilingualism in all of their schools of course there's challenges but I think that that's much closer to what it means to be a, a citizen of the 21st century and certainly uh, involved in international education in the 21st century uh, language should be at, at, the, at the center of that so that's part of the bigger project that I'm kind of uh, aiming at um, and this would you say this so this is helping to facilitate that overall goal or mission yeah I mean I don't think this is gonna this is necessarily going to um, uh, going to change things uh, incredibly but um oh you never know well yeah maybe (laughs) you're right we never know but i I guess part of you asked me what what sort of like got me thinking about this project but i know every time with my own students my i mostly work with english language learners but whenever i've had them like you know teach me some phrases in, in 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 their first languages or when i've had them you know 
shout out their translations of their words uh, from their first languages. And then they realize that, for example, you know, the commonality between uh, Japanese and uh, Chinese. And then they, they look at the characters and they both read the characters differently, but they both can uh, understand the meaning of it. And just, just this mystery of, of how all languages are connected in families and, 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 and a consequence of history and pressure and all of that is just so, so exciting. So um, I think that um, when I see how excited my students get and loving to loving the opportunity to boss around their teacher a little bit and critique my pronunciation, um, but but also uh, this wonderful like um, gift that they've got that um, is not mm-hmm. perhaps as celebrated as much as it could, um, you know, and um, much more core to identity I think than cultural dress or you know or the flags that we fly at our schools or you know the, the fancy foods that we you know the the, the um, oftentimes international education focuses around these sort of like superficial elements of culture rather mm-hmm. than the much deeper element of, of language. So getting to that point where you were talking about language here, when you first put this project together, you may have thought, well, I don't know if it's really going to work, but it is working. And, and tell me about the interest level you got. How did it start at the beginning with other people wanting to be involved and how has it grown? Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm learning very um learning better, I think, that, you know, nothing's going to happen unless you try. And of course, you might fail. So when I started it out, I thought, well, let's see how this goes. And and I got some uh, help from some um, um, uh, people who could help uh, retweet uh, some of my initial tweets. I was able to present at a 21st century uh, teach meet. And then gradually, it started to get uh, traction. Uh, because the project is actually quite young, it's only been going now for two and a half weeks, I think. Um, I haven't um, been able to it takes time for teachers to arrange, get permission sometimes, and sure. to get their so students only, to participate. You just, you just started only two and a week, two and a half weeks, so you're so, right at the beginning of it. Oh yeah, so so I so I think that I think that based you know if I extrapolate from what we've got now, and if we you know keep on going, um, you know the the, the big uh, cutoff will be the summertime. But in terms of like interest, I can I can talk about some stuff that you know I I'm going to have some uh, Maori speakers uh, be joining in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm in the process of contacting with a Navajo uh, educator who did a similar kind of project using um, Duolingo, the language learning app, um, a South African sort of language, I don't want to say language activist, but maybe a, a person who's interested in promoting and protecting their own language. Uh, it's called Koi Koi. It's not one of the nine uh, official languages of South Africa. They're, they're on board. Um, some, uh, there's a Yoruba um, um a Yoruba uh, teacher that I'm, I'm in contact with as well, and um, and and so on. And a talk picks in, um, which is the um, uh, uh, one of the it's like a Creole uh, language of Papua New Guinea. Uh, uh-huh. Another person is really really interested. In addition to you know um, some teachers from Europe and across the United States uh, and Canada as well, and some other interesting things. Um, I, I was talking to um, uh, a person in uh, Canada and uh, from the East Coast uh, where Mi'kmaq is a is a First Nations group kind of of languages, and um, she said, well yeah, I'd love to get involved, but uh, can we? Can we um, call one of these languages Wolastiki? I'm gonna. I'm not exactly sure that's the correct way to say it, but she said this is a, <laughs> a this is a language that we uh, we're are in the process of officially naming. So that's so that's super cool. This you know. Uh, so I've got a grid for this particular language and just waiting for um, for her to connect with some uh, some teachers and students who can you know teach some phrases. So that's just you know the uh, you know indigenous languages that uh, I've got involved. But you know we already have um, some of the more dominant um, globally known languages. You know Korean, Japanese, mm-hmm. Pudonghua, Cantonese, English, French, Russian, and um, so yeah. It's just a question of uh, getting uh, teachers that can just put in a little bit of effort to to get the the um their their students involved it's not a 
it's not um, a difficult thing to do, um, but you know, it requires getting the, 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 the password from me and then spending a little bit of time prepping with the students. But um, everyone can get involved, not just not just bilingual students, but also um, mm -hmm. uh, native, native English speakers or monolingual students who want to um, watch the video and then create a reply video demonstrating you know, the lesson that's been taught. So for example, you know, Ni hao ma in Chinese, you know, a, a person who doesn't speak Chinese can, 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 uh, can respond to that particular phrase or some of these, mother, uh, these other languages that people have maybe perhaps never heard of. So, I wonder if you have like, a, is there a, do you have a bucket list of languages? Again, you're going from 50 to 100. Do you have like a list of languages in your head? You're like, oh, I want to make sure I get that one. I understand you've gotten languages that you didn't really maybe know about of the 6,000, but are there certain ones you're aiming for? Yeah, I guess my, my bucket list, my original bucket list was um, uh, Navajo, which is uh, made famous by the, the Code Talkers movie. Um, and uh, it's a very sort of interesting and complex language. Uh, the Quechuan family of languages from South America and Ecuador, Peru, around there. Um, um, Zosa is a South African language which uses clicks. And as I mentioned, the Tokpisin um, um, Creole language from Papua New Guinea. And then in Australia, there's one with a small language, but I've heard that there are um, children who are um, who are speaking in it, which is the key to a language's a success, is that the next generation of children are also uh, replicating it because uh, kids' brains are language-making machines or language-processing machines. And it's called um, Pijanchara. Pijan Chajara, uh, which is an uh, Australian, Australian uh, Aboriginal Indigenous language, ah. and then and then of course, um, so that's kind of like spreading out across the whole the whole world. But I mean, there's six thousand languages, so uh, in many schools, um, I was talking to um, an EAL coordinator in Glasgow, and she figured that she could get thirty seven languages just from you know schools in Glasgow. So. Uh, um, it's really possible. That was when I, I revised my number from 50 to 100 because 100 is a little bit ambitious. But, you know, if we can get um, a lot of people involved and it just requires a little bit of legwork on the part of the teacher. But all it requires is a, you know, a mobile phone and um, an Internet connection. You don't need to have, uh, you know, laptops in the classroom. It just requires a mm -hmm. teacher who's interested. So I'm just I would love for not just international schools, of course, which are made up of many, many languages as well. But really, it's a global project um, to, to get everybody involved. So when you, you know, if you're look, anticipating or looking towards the future, and you, you got to that hundred languages, what do you, what do you got hope? What goals or ideas or what reflections do you hope you will have at the end of all that? You'll think to yourself, "Gosh, I'm so glad that I." I, I think that if we got to that point, I, I, I would hope that it became quite well known. I don't know of too many projects that are being done in this way. Um, and and I would hope that it re really becomes like a sort of a global celebration of humanness um, where we um, – just share something that's so special to being human, which is language. It really makes us uh, unique as a species. And, um, and um, it also just changes sort of like the, I don't know, there's been a lot of just in the last, you know, decade or so, but we, you could even argue in the last 50 years with the, with the dominance of, you know, um, America and then the previous hundred years with the dominance of the United Kingdom, you know, it's really sort of a monolingual, um, like a monolingual means uh, only able to speak one language. That's kind of been the, the sort of the, the paradigm for, for education and for the West. And when I think that the norm for human experience is to be multilingual, and I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing people who only speak one language, especially Anglophones, English speakers who only speak one language, but, but I, I think that it's so much closer to the human experience to be able to move in and out of languages and not to have um, fixed borders um, between languages, which is also another sort of um, ideology as well. And I think that that would just make our world a much, much better and much more 
I don't know, um, realistic place where the borders are, there's going to be remain, you know, state and physical borders, but languages have this wonderful ability to penetrate and go between uh, if we let them. Um, and if we, uh, as, you know, leaders in international education with opportunities to do that, I think we could live up to what it means to be an international educator and just, you know, uh, forefront um, the, the power of language and the importance of language to identity mm-hmm. when so many of our students themselves are, are, are language learners. So, Graham, we're coming towards the end of our time here. If somebody was interested and perhaps it was in one of the languages that you needed or were hoping to get, how could they get a hold of you or get more information about the program? Um, the easiest way would be to go to teachingourlanguages.org, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then they can find the information there. They can um, find me on Twitter at uh, Graham W. Noble. Um, they could also just uh, search for the hashtag teaching our languages. And I think if they did, I, I just tried it out. If you do teaching our languages and maybe throw in my name, Graham, into Google, you'll get, you know, you'll be able to get there. But the teachingourlanguages.org website will have a chance for you to review the, the website, uh, review the information about the, the project. And then also there's a form at the bottom where you can request uh, a login to the grid and also, you know, request for more information there. So teachingourlanguages.org um, will have will be sort of like the the gateway into this project. Graham Noble, thanks so much for sharing your ideas and your time today all about getting to those 100 or hopefully more languages. Yes, thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate this opportunity. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.